Welcome to the Modern Black Mom Podcast, your favorite place for real talk on the most important questions, joys, and challenges of Black motherhood today. So whatever kind of mom you are, birth mom, stepmom, even just thinking about becoming a mom, join us because this conversation is for you. This is your host, Ashley, and this is the Modern Black Mom Podcast. First of all, if you haven't heard what's going on with R. Kelly, you have clearly been living under a rock, at least for the last two decades. So this man is so shrouded in scandal, it's incredible to me that he's not in jail yet. Now, it's not surprising per se, given our amazing legal system and how great it is, as we all know, that he's not in jail yet. But that's neither here nor there. So we're here to talk about the recent interview that he did with Gail King. So he sits down with her for his first interview since he was bailed out of jail. And emphasis on the fact that he was bailed out of jail. R. Kelly could not afford to get himself out of jail. Despite the many years of fame, fortune, whatever it may be, he had to rely on a female acquaintance that was not either of his two girlfriends that he currently lives with, by the way, to bail him out of jail. So to lay the groundwork for some of the interview, let's talk about a couple of the facts around R. Kelly's life. So he's 52 at this point, and he's been married twice. His first marriage, again, if you don't know about his first marriage, you've been living under a rock, was to Aaliyah. She was 15 years old when they got married. 15! I don't know about you, but I remember when I was 15, one, I wouldn't want to marry any of the boyfriends I had when I was 15, and two, I definitely wasn't ready to be anybody's wife at 15. I'm pretty sure I maybe just got my braces off. So then his second marriage was to Andrea, and she was 22 when they got married. So again, I bring this up to say there is a trend. These are dots that will eventually make up a line that leads up to where he is today. So again, he's living with two girlfriends at this point. One is 23 and one is 21. And both of these young women, as they discussed in the interview with Gail, and they did both sit down with Gail face to face. And Gail was very clear to make sure that we were aware that R. Kelly was sitting in the room um, off camera. So while we may not, we may not know if they were speaking of their own volition and free will. Let's just put it that way. There is some question, questions that need answers. So his two girlfriends are there and they have both made it clear that they both have bad blood and bad relationships with their families at this point. And they believe that their families are only doing this because and speaking ill of R. Kelly because they want his money. They wanted him to invest in their businesses, et cetera, which is completely believable. But at the end of the day, you know, more questions that need answers on why the relationship is bad. So I want to talk about a couple of contradictions that really stood out during this interview because those were the key takeaways, at least for me personally, that this man is living a life of contradictions. So the first contradiction that I wanted to bring up is just even in some of his math. So he claims he's never been with a woman that was underage. And again, going back to his first marriage, he was married to Aaliyah when she was 15. So it's a little bit hard to believe because, again, I don't know about you, but if I'm married, I find it hard to believe that you're not having sex, (laughs) you know, and they were married maybe, maybe a year, maybe less, 
But either way, I'm married for one day and I'm having sex. Let's be real. So she's 15. The two girlfriends that he has now at this point, like I said, they're 23 and 21. And at least one of them has been with them for five years. So again, I'm not a genius. I'm not a mathematician. But I'm pretty sure if you rewind the clock by about five years, at least one of them is in their teens. Actually, I'm pretty sure both of them. They're both in their teens. And from what I read online, at least one of them was 17 when she first met R. Kelly. He claims he never had sex with her while she was underage, but... Again, questions that need answers. So his math alone on whether he's been with someone underage is a little bit, a lot of bit, (laughs) suspect. So then the second contradiction that stood out to me was the sentiment of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. This is something that he and Gail talked about. So R. Kelly believes that he as R. Kelly and he as Robert Kelly are the same person. And Gail was trying to probe him on that and really ask him about, you. does he believe that he really has two people existing with him? So to defend himself, part of what he brings up is the analogy of himself being a police officer. So he says that it's like being a police officer who when they go home, they take off their badge, they have to spend time with their family, be a father, be a husband, etc. Now, I don't know about you all, but if I'm trying to defend myself and say that I am one consistent person, I'm probably not going to pick the analogy of a police officer. And this is why. We all know that police officers like R. Kelly are shrouded in controversy and there's no trust. There's all of there's all of these issues. So why he would pick a police officer, which is in itself like police, our justice system, all of that is a symbol of degradation of the black community, of lack of trust, of all of these significant issues. Either way, I'm not picking a police officer because police officers in so many ways as an institution are known to be two-faced. Again, this is from the perspective of being part of the black community, but that's probably not the analogy that I'm picking to defend myself. Maybe there's something else that he could have picked to say, you know what, I'm the same person, I'm an upstanding citizen, whatever it may be, but that one went awry. So the second piece around this was that, of course, he thinks people should still buy his music. Part of the internal dissonance that I had about this was that, and they brought this up during the filming as well, is that R. Kelly's music is woven into the fabric of our culture and our lives, that his music is present in sports moments, weddings, love, all of these different things that he that he has involved himself in. And it's almost impossible, almost, because we should still attempt to do it. It's almost impossible to separate his art in part of our culture and society. Now, this is where they start talking about the art versus the artist as well. And they talk about the fact that his art may be different than who he is as an individual and that who he is as an individual deviated from who he was as an artist. Now, I don't know if I agree with that statement because if you look at the music, and he talks about this a little bit too, he talks about the fact that some of his music is really freaky, like straight up freaky. 
But there's also music around love and hope. And like, I believe I can fly. And all of these things where you see in his music that he's two different people. So that was such an aha in that very moment to say, you know what? He's saying that he believes he's the same person, but his music itself, if you use it as a body of evidence, is indicating otherwise. So then on top of that, he goes further to say that his label was telling him he had to put out freaky music. If you see the look in this man's eye when he starts talking about being freaky and having sex... That does not look like the face of someone who was forced to do anything freaky. I'm just saying. So the third contradiction that then became evident to me was that he starts to talk about double jeopardy as it pertains to the charges that have been recently brought against him. So he says that they shouldn't be able to charge him again because he's already been charged and cleared. Now, I'm not a lawyer, I'm no expert in legal matters, but I've at least watched the movie Double Jeopardy with Ashley Judd in it. You know, it came out a long time ago, but the premise of Double Jeopardy, I think I at least understand the basics of it. So my understanding is that Double Jeopardy is when you've been tried for a crime, like murder, and found not guilty. Double Jeopardy prevents the ability of others to bring those charges against you um, and try you for the same crime. Now, that there's nuance to that. It's the same crime with the same facts. So if R. Kelly was tried for molestation and child pornography in certain cases or with certain individuals, that doesn't mean they can't bring other charges against him for child pornography and molestation. This is like saying, okay, well, I'm going to go rob a bank. You charge me for that crime of robbing bank A, and then you find me not guilty because, I don't know, you found me not guilty for whatever reason. And then I decide I'm going to go rob bank B, and I say to you, you can't charge me for robbing bank A or B because you already charged me for bank A. That's not how it works, R. Kelly. You committed a crime again. So yes, they're going to charge you again. So needless to say, this whole way that he tries to apply double jeopardy, I think he was confused. It is a clear contradiction. I don't think it worked out in his favor. So then the fourth contradiction that I noticed, and I promise there's only one more after this, is that race matters. And that's not a big aha. No one's sitting here going, okay, this is really what you want to talk about, race matters. We already know that, Ashley. Yes, I know. But one of the things that they brought up was we have the Me Too movement, we have Time's Up. But the fact is, Black women and minorities aren't getting the same visibility and protection as their white counterparts as it pertains to these movements. That is the bottom line. And I have to ask myself and wonder, and maybe you all do too, why, like, why are they having a special with Gail? Why is R. Kelly on a primetime special at 8 p.m. on a Friday? I don't know. But part of what's going on, I do believe, is... There's a level at which you have to acknowledge the other things that are going on. You can't just have all coverage of white women because that would be too obvious. Again, personal perspective. So in the interview, they also talk about the fact that Elvis dated Priscilla when she was 15. And the sentiment at the time from 
society was, well, that's his prerogative. He's the king. He can date her if he wants to. Now, duh, we all know Elvis was white. So I think this easily prompts the sentiment that some people in the black community express around, well, if they're getting away with it, we should be able to get away with it too. And... That's faulty logic. Let's let's be honest, because at the end of the day, we also know that we have to work 10 times harder. We have to be 10 times better to get even a sliver of the respect and acknowledgement and decency that is given so freely to our white counterparts. For example, Barack knew that he can afford to have an affair, any scandals, anything of that nature, because he would be crucified crucified as the first black president. Everybody knew that. But forget about all the other presidents that had scandals. Forget about Watergate. Forget about Monica Lewinsky. Forget about all of those things. Forget about all of the other 40-something presidents who did crazy things. If Barack did anything crazy, he was going down for that and going down for that fast. It's the same thing here. There's no reason why R. Kelly or Bill Cosby or any of those people should be surprised that they're going to get convicted for this type of things. We're not white. That is the bottom line. And more importantly, we know there's a higher standard and you have failed this standard. Beyond failed this standard, you have fallen so short of this standard that it is appalling that you've even gotten away with it for this long. So then the fifth thing, the last thing that I would say in terms of contradictions that I noticed was they talk about the powerful versus the vulnerable. And the conversation they have around it is that R. Kelly is the powerful and he's taking he's taking advantage of vulnerable women. This conjured up a lot of questions, at least for me, around how we define powerful versus vulnerable. And I had to wonder, are we giving too much power to people in positions where they are public figures at the end of the day? How is R. Kelly inherently more powerful than, say, I am? I don't know that to be true. And more importantly, we have taken the word vulnerability in itself and made it a weakness. This plays into so much in relationships, like the idea of having to be vulnerable to your significant other, the idea of having to protect yourself from the world, we have such a distorted perspective on vulnerability, and I don't think that necessarily has anything to do with R. Kelly, but it definitely is a contradiction and an important dynamic in the black community, in all relationships of how we deem powerful versus vulnerable, and that somehow those things are mutually exclusive. Now, I don't know about you, but I am, I believe in God and believe in the Bible, and I have always believed that the meek shall inherit the earth. And in this situation, this is another perfect example of because you are vulnerable does not mean that you are not powerful. It does not mean that you are not owed respect. It does not mean that you cannot stand up for yourself. It does not mean that you cannot get out of that situation. And the number of people that have come forward in this situation or related to R. Kelly and what he has done to them, I commend them. I truly do for speaking their truth, for 
not letting anyone limit their ability to speak freely and openly on this topic because we need to talk about this in the black community so this can stop, so we can eradicate this, so we can hold ourselves accountable because I can guarantee you and I'm sure you can guarantee yourself that they are holding us to a much higher standard as well and we need to continue to do that internally within our own community. So... Of course, I would be remiss if I ended this without saying, if you find yourself in an abusive situation, if you find yourself um, a victim, emotional, physical, any type of abuse, do what you can to survive. That is the most important thing. Do what you can to survive for yourself, for your family, if you have kids, whatever it may be. That is the most important takeaway in this. We need to keep surviving. We need to protect our queens. We need to hold our kings accountable. And we need to make sure as a community that we're able to continue to thrive. So this will wrap up our first of all on R. Kelly. If you haven't seen the interview with Gail King, please do. That she is a black woman who is trying to shed light on issues that are impacting our black community. This is something that is very important to us. So go support her. If you have not seen Surviving R. Kelly, go watch that as well. Educate yourselves. Be prepared as parents, as mothers for these things that may come up in the future. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed our real talk. And remember, mommy brain is definitely real. So go rate the podcast five stars right now before you forget and join us for our next episode. Don't worry, we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter and let us know what you thought about this episode using the hashtag MBM Real Talk. This is your host, Ashley, your modern black mom.